Hello and welcome to the B-Movie Podcast, the podcast where we watch B-movies. You know those $5 bins straight to DVD, who are these actors and why do they make this kind of B-movies? Every week we watch a terrible film. We summarize it for you, we review it for you, we grade it, and then we answer the absolutely needless question, is this better or worse than the ultimate B-movie, the B-movie with Jerry Seinfeld? This week, I am joined by a wonderful co-host, one of my best friends, a talented musician, uh, and just an all-around great guy, Carter. Carter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremiah. Glad to be here. You're so welcome. I'm so glad we could finally do this. We've been talking about it for a little while, oh, and yeah. uh, I'm glad I could have you on for our third episode of the B-Movie Podcast. But before we dive into the absolutely terrible film that I subjected to you, I wanted to make a couple of announcements uh, and some shout-outs. So first and foremost is that uh, if you're listening to the B-Movie Podcast, you need to know that we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Pretty much whatever kind of phone you have or however you listen, you can find the B-Movie Podcast. So do yourself a favor. Listen to us, leave a review, a rating, and subscribe for future content. Because that's the way you're going to be plugged into the B-Movie Podcast from here on out. Uh, additionally, I wanted to give a shout-out to someone who took some time to write a wonderful email into the show. They wrote us at thebmoviepodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter B. And this shout-out goes to someone named Brian. Uh, Brian is actually a good friend of mine, and he writes in and says, Hi, Jeremiah. Long-time listener. First-time buzzer here. Uh, he tells me that every memory he has of the B-Movie podcast is really just a car wreck. Not like a figurative car wreck. Like a literal car wreck. As in, he got into an accident on the way to the theater to see the B-movie with Jerry Seinfeld. And so for so long, he's only associated that memory with it. And now to hear the podcast, he really enjoys it. Uh, he loves the co-host that we're having on. He loves the way we uh, structure the episodes. And he suggests uh, for our consideration another B-movie called Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Now, I've heard of this. Carter, have you heard of Kung Pao Enter the Fist? I have not, but it doesn't sound promising. Uh, it's actually a, um, it's a mutation of the 1976 film Savage Killers, and it is, I guess, supposed to be terrible. I mean, I, I know friends who have watched it who have said, oh, it's so bad, but it's so good. And Brian even thinks that it might be worth the B-plus rating. So, Brian, one of these days we are absolutely going to get uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist onto the podcast, and uh, we'll make that happen for you. So, um, anyways, today our film, we're going a little Christmassy, all right? And I invited Carter over to watch the wonderful, beautiful uh, Diamond in the Rough called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Now, Carter, what? just a gut reaction. What is, what is your gut reaction of this film? Just honestly, right off the cuff. Honestly, beautiful. Just as you said it, immaculate. Yes. That was a piece of artwork. Now, obviously, we're being a little facetious, um, but also you have to keep in mind that this film is from 1964. So I asked Carter earlier when we landed on the moon, and he said... 1964, I 1964. Think. I don't know. Look, probably. I, I could barely uh, tell which people are on Mount Rushmore in our first episode. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know when we landed on the moon. If we ever landed on the moon, you conspiracy theorists out there know what I'm talking about, okay? Didn't you sub for a history class at some point? I did. And you don't know? No. All right. Uh, when did Illinois become a state, Carter? 
No idea. December 3rd, 1818. You hear that, Illinoisans? I've got your back. I know when Illinois mm. became a state, but I could not tell you when we landed on the moon. Anyways, 1964, okay? Obviously, space travel, the space race was high on the mind. And uh, someone thought, hey, this would be a great idea to make a Christmas movie about Santa utilizing the Martians. So we open up to this fantastic bop uh, called Hooray for Santa Claus. Oh, man. We and we crawl one. through at least three minutes of credits. Um, but the whole point of the film is that Martian children have kind of lost their appetites and they're sleepless because there's no fun on Mars. There's no toys. There's no fun. There's no Santa Claus to bring joy to the Martian children. So what do they devise, Carter? What do they do? How do they propose to fix this problem? They say we need our own Santa Claus. Yeah. You know, and and who tells them that? Who tells them that? Yeah, yeah. Bro, He's, I cannot remember a single Martian's name. No, They're no, no. You can. Gibberish. You absolute can. They're gibberish. No. You can because he was a swamp wizard. <gasps> Oh, are you talking about, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Oh my gosh, what's his name? Chochum the Ancient Chochum. One. They go to Chochum the Ancient One and say, oh hey, goodness. our kids are sleepless, they're appetiteless. How did you forget Chochum? <laughs> I don't know, man. And so Chochum appears <laughs> a puff of smoke and says, we need a Santa Claus. I'm an 800-year-old swamp wizard, and I foresaw this day coming. He's Jewish, too, because Chochum is Jewish for sage. <laughs> yes, that is they not... They a Jew wizard on Mars. Yes, that is not an anti-Semitic remark. Uh, that is the actual term for sage in Hebrew is Chochum. So I kind of lazy writing, I guess. But Chochum says, go get yourself a Santa Claus. Oh. The Martians say, hey, there's only one Santa Claus, and that's on Earth. So what do they do, Carter? They go get him, man. They go get him. Okay? They say we're about to tag and bag this boy. Yeah, but there's a problem because Martians, for one, have no idea where the North Pole is, right? Agreed. Agreed. So there's these these two Martians who are kind of struggling over power. There's the good guy, and then there's the bad guy. I, well, I, the good guy still wants to capture Santa Claus. Well, yeah, the good guy the good wants guy. to capture Santa Claus, but the bad guy says, you want this Santa Claus to bring joy to our children? You know, if you bring joy to the children, what's next? Fun? It's true. The bad guy, he's a little strict. He's not my kind of man. He's really strict. He is like Sunday school teacher with a ruler. He's like Mars's own personal stepdad. Kind of strict. Yeah, yeah. He's like a Martian stepdad, if you will. But not the good kind that loves you and treats you well. More like the kind that sees you as an inconvenience. You know? Yeah. That's kind of how uh, this guy acts. So... They go to Earth, and they don't really know where Santa Claus is, so they stop off at a lake near a field. They do, uh, they do. Grade A technology, i got to tell you, this Martian mm. spaceship. And they find uh, two children, Billy and Betsy, who are just kind of chilling out. And I've got some thoughts, because I don't think Betsy is appropriately dressed for winter. No, I'm going to... Okay, when they first enter the North Pole, the beginning of the film, they preface it. They say it is negative 92 degrees. Yes. What is... What is Betsy wearing during this entire encounter? Well, she's wearing a hat. Okay, a that's scarf. good. That's good. That's mm -hmm. good. Appropriate. A thick sweater. Yes. Some gloves. Yes. And a short skirt. A short skirt in negative 92 degree mm -hmm. winter. I reckon she'd be dead. Eight, year, eight years old. Eight years old. I think she would lose her legs. Right. So they pick up Billy and Betsy and say, we got to find Santa Claus. You got to tell us where he is. And they say, why, it's the North Pole, Mr. Martian Man. Obviously. And they say, wait, we can't let these kids go. They'll tell everyone who kidnapped Santa Claus. They some snitches. They so, know. <laughs> so they decide, let's take them with them. So they get on the plane or the, the ship and Bolo, Bozo, uh, Blono. Blono? 
No, hang on a second. He's got a different name than this. Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. I think I just deleted all of my notes. <laughs> no Oh, way. no, here we go. No way. I found it. Okay. I found it. Uh, let's see. What's his name? Not Chochum. No, it starts with a B. It's very forgettable. It's like Bloner. I'm trying. Droppo. 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 Oh, Droppo. Yeah, Droppo. So Droppo is in charge. He is the laziest Martian. He's the, uh, I don't know, the yeah. least qualified one on this ship. Yeah, I mean, when we first meet him, he's sleeping while on the yes. job. Yes, yes. And he says, I was practicing my sleeping because I forgot how to sleep last night. Uh, he stows away on the ship in the radio cupboard. What is the, it? What the, is it? I have it written the, down. Ra- I don't the know. radar box. The radar box. Which, which is just a toy chest yep. with the word radar box mm-hmm. written on it. It is... I so, cannot describe how poorly made this is. So they make Droppo be in charge of the kids. They go to the North Pole. The kids escape. So they're running around. They hide in a cave. And the villain is after them because he doesn't want them to get away. Uh, but then what appears, Carter? A giant polar bear. I'm sorry. I well, didn't, I didn't I'm quite sorry. hear that. Actually, it's, I'm, I'm using air quotations right now, though you can't see them. A polar bear, some would say. What, uh, what would others say? It is a man in a white bear suit. It's a man in a bear suit. It is okay. a man in a bear suit, and it is the most unconvincing <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't even, like, they probably could have done better with a, I, you know, they probably didn't have the budget for animatronics. I'll give them that. All right, that's fair, that's fair. But this polar bear, I'm sure you could do better with, like, cutouts or, like, pictures or like, something. You mean, like... The Fox News report where they pulled out a cutout of a bear? Yes, exactly <laughs> like that, where they had a man recreate a bear running across the yard by holding a black cutout of a bear. Black cutout of a bear. At any rate, this is an awful polar bear. Uh, but So the polar bear comes and scares the other Martian off, but then Torg comes. Torg. Don't get me started on Torg. Which, oh, we're going mm-hmm. there later. Uh, Torg finds them. Torg is the servant robot to the Martian ship. Um, he's roughly a cardboard box with aluminum foil, <laughs> and I have legitimately seen better Halloween costume robots than I have for Torg. I have, I will not lie, I've seen Halloween costumes in Walmart for about $15. Yes, appear better more than convincing Torg. than Torg. Now let's cut it some slack, though. This is 1964, okay? They gotta make a lot of stuff by hand. Okay, what was... I get it. Jeremiah, can you give me the budget on this movie? Uh, the budget was $200,000. Two, six figures. In 1964. And all the props are cardboard? Yeah. 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 But we're going to come back to the budget, because I want to talk about that later in the show. All right. All right. Anyway, so Torg finds them. They get to Santa's workshop. And I'm not lying. Like, it takes a good long while to even get to Santa. We've probably spent a third of the movie getting to Santa's workshop. Torg comes in. Santa treats him like a toy. Then the Martians come in, and they kidnap Santa Claus... They kidnap the kids, they leave Torg in his workshop, and then take Santa Claus to Mars. Now, on the ship, um, is everyone happy that Santa Claus is going to come to Mars, Carter? No, so we got our uh, we got our bad boy, Mr. Beardo. What is his name? Beardo. Beardo? His no. name's not Beardo. He's just the one with the beard. Dude, I wrote it down. No, he's got a mustache. You're right. He has a gigantic... Voldar. Handlebar- Voldar. The Voldar. most... The most villainous name you could have given yep. the Mar- Martian. Yep, Voldar. Voldar. Okay. So Voldar is not happy Santa's here because he thinks he's going to make the Martian children soft. And after all, <laughs> Mars is a planet of what, Carter? It's a planet of war, It's a Jeremiah. planet of war, planet people. Planet of war. Planet of war. These Martians did not make themselves warriors so they could have fun. As quoted by the film, Mars was a planet of war. I don't know what that means. Planet of war sounds like hell. It means that it's a planet of war. 
harder. Thank you. That actually yes. that helped a lot. I'm glad I could help. So apparently, Voldar thinks that Santa's going to make him all soft. So he does this dastardly thing where he tries to, to shoot him out the airlock. <laughs> they get away by climbing up a vent tube. Now... That is also connected to the airlock. Yes. For some... Makes, can we talk about the countdown to the airlock real quick? Because that had oh, me, yes. that had my mind spiraling. It is 60 seconds, and it they use about 30 seconds to check all the doors four times. Yeah, well, it jumps from 60 seconds to 24 seconds mm-hmm. about immediately. As soon as you see him hit the button, the time is half over. Yeah. And then you see the clock hit about 24 seconds, and then about five minutes of film go by, and they got five seconds left. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is not... It is relative to the film. Time is relative. Time is relative time on is re- Mars. Okay, we learned good lessons yeah, in this film. Yeah, time, time is okay. relative okay. in Martian spaceships. Uh, so they try to get him out the airlock, and Santa and the kids climb up a vent tube, and they say, Santa, you're so big, how did you fit in that tube? And he goes, ho, 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 if I told you that, it wouldn't be a surprise, now would it? Sounds like a great plot device to me. Yes, well, because Santa knows how to get down and out of chimneys, Carter. He's You're a right. big man in chimneys. That's his career. It's I his Santa Claus powers. Santa Claus powers. At work. It's one part lazy writing, one part Santa Claus lore. I think that is the best way to make a film. Yeah. Oh, wow. obviously. So uh, they finally, after a long, long while, get to Mars and they say, Santa, you're going to come and you're going to set up a toy shop for our children here on Mars. And they, they build him this automated uh, assembly line uh, workshop where he just pushes a button and the toy comes out. And he even says, you know, I've made toys all day and my finger is sore because I've been pushing buttons. They mm. really made an automated toy assembly that didn't need Santa? Well, it used about... It had about four toy options. There was baseball bat, uh-huh. doll, and there was like two other ones. Train. Train was another one. Teddy bear. Teddy, you remember all And these. tools. I don't... I but we never saw a tool come out of the thing. Because who the heck orders tools for Christmas? Little boys. Little boy Martians. Mm. Bomars, if you will. Boma, boy Martians. Boy Martians. Uh, Bomar. Or girl Martians. Go or Go Mars. Who wants to build, you know? We don't, yeah, we those don't, kinds of kids. Yeah. I, look, I'm not here to judge your Christmas list, people. I'm here to just tell you, these are your options on Mars. Yeah. So the question that we're bringing up here is, why was Santa required? I know you're not comfortable with silence because this is a podcast, but it. There's no way. He wasn't really. They was, could, they just needed someone in a big red suit with white trim and a beard. They didn't need Santa. They didn't even have to come to Earth. Nope. How, how long does it take to go to Earth from Mars? Uh, we're gonna get to that because that's a plot device. But it takes okay, roughly okay. 150 to 300 days. They even need to do. They didn't even need to do that. No. Anywho, just a button. Well, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. So they build Santa this workshop, and then all of a sudden, um, Foldar comes back and says, "We gotta go kidnap Santa again." Uh, but it turns out that they go in and they actually end up kidnapping uh, Droppo, who was in Santa's second suit. And they mistake Droppo for Santa. Now, <laughs> Droppo's a Martian. And you can tell by his plastic helmet. Yeah, he has a gigantic helmet yep. on his face. And he has he has a green face. I was going to say yep. green paint, but in... In the lore, he has a green face. No, no, it's very convincing paint. Yes. Uh, okay, face. you're right, you're right. Very, very convincing. Costuming. He is a completely green man with a signaturely Martian helmet. Yes. Just in a red suit. And they say, mm-hmm. oh, this is Santa Claus. We have to capture him. Yep. Amazing. They're geniuses. So they, they kidnap the wrong Santa. Then they come to try to ransom Santa in exchange for kicking him off of Mars. He gets... 
Then turns out the real Santa is there, and they beat up Foldar with toys. Yeah. Uh, Maybe beat up's the wrong word. They shoot a marshmallow gun at him and then have robots Uh slowly walk towards him and never touch him. Yep, the nutcrackers walk slowly towards him. There's, I think, a water balloon in there somewhere. Uh, There was a tank slowly rolling, just looking Uh him in the eyes, saying, don't you dare. Bubbles, oddly enough. Bubbles were hitting him. Yep, bubbles were hitting him. And he was just kind of... A rubber uh, suction cup bow and arrow. I did not remember seeing that, but I believe you. It was the little boy, Billy, I think, shot that. It honestly feels like a fever dream, so there's a good chance there's a lot I don't remember. It really does. It feels like this whole film was a fever dream. Um, But they basically beat up Foldar and then arrest him, and then Santa says, Why, you don't need me. You've got your own Santa. Droppo Santa. And they're like, why, by George, you're right, Santa. We've got Droppo here to bring the joy to all the Martian childrens. And with this state-of-the-art workshop that we designed exactly for you, we could have our own fun on Mars. And then they just send him back. No, 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 they don't send him back. He says, come on, Billy, come on, Betsy. If we hurry, we'll make it in time for Christmas. Roll credits. Oh, you're right. He took the ship himself. He just hijacked that. I, look, he just the logistics were not discussed. You're right. Okay? This is Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. And that's the title. Why that's the title, I don't know. But that's the summary of the film. Now, there's, there's no conquering. Let's move on to the buzz, because you, you brought this up. There is no conquering. There's no conquering. It can be called Santa visits the Martians and leaves promptly after. Yes. Santa appraises an automated workshop and leaves. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Santa comes and manages the project for one day. Santa visits the Martians. Santa visits... That's appropriate. Santa's Martian expedition. Martian... He didn't really go on expedition. He was captured. Santa's Martian adventure. Adventure? Do you have to be willing to go on adventure? He was... was forced into it. I don't know. I don't think you have to be willing to go on an adventure. Santa sees Mars for like one hour. Yes. That's That's a more apt title. Yeah. Santa sees Mars for an hour. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Okay. An hour, hour and a half. half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an hour and a half of Santa. Well, a long, long we enough for his finger get tired. Yeah, but we don't get into Santa until 30 minutes in of an hour and a half movie. We don't even meet Billy and Betsy until So really, the movie. Santa visits Mars for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I. it sounds like we're making some of this up. Okay? I'm sure it sounds ridiculous. But think about it. In 1964... This was some Buck Rogers kind of stuff. This would have been fun. I can imagine. Now, Carter, like, we live in a a digital age, okay? Everyone's got a smartphone. All of the world's information is at our fingertips. We can Google anything we want at any time. It's true. It's true. But imagine being a child in 1964. You probably have your very first television set, okay? If you're lucky. Maybe you're at a friend's house visiting, and all of you crowd around the tiny television screen to see in color this santa claus space expedition movie this Hmm. would have been like life-changing right the idea of it would have interested me greatly it would have boys and girls all around especially with the space race happening i think they would have loved the idea of a martian space santa christmas movie but it does not hold up to time at all no not the slightest i've seen i've seen movies from before the 60s and i'm like wow that's a good film it's decent. Yeah. They did what they could with that. Oh, absolutely. I didn't say uh, that once about this movie. Seven Samurai. That was done in the 1950s, okay? It was black and white. It was in subtitles. Fantastic film. That's where we get the plot for Magnificent Seven. Did you know that? I didn't actually know that. From, I knew it was based off of something. Yep, from an old movie called Seven Samurai. Seven Beautiful Samurai. film. Okay? Done in the 50s. You can do good old films that hold up to the test of time. 
this is not one of them. Especially not with a $200,000 budget spent yes. on cardboard. Yes. So let's. what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about costuming and, um, and uh, casting. Don't because... you mean costuming? Oh, yes, costuming. 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 You know why? Because the costume designer was spelled wrong on the opening credits. One of the very first things you see in this movie has a typo. Of a Hollywood film. Of a $200,000 Hollywood film. Has a typo. So, it okay. So, costuming, you know, we all think of Martians as little green men. You know, think of Marvin the Martian. He's got the green... It's a classic. Green classic. He's yeah. got the... He looks like a, um, a Roman gladiator. But that's what we think of in Martians. Little green men, okay? Yeah. These are men in green leotards with metallic green paint that kind of is painted on their face. It's it's about 70% tops yeah. of their face skin. Carter, I was Beetlejuice um, for Halloween, yeah. and I did better makeup by myself than these people did for these Martians' faces. Yeah, I don't doubt that in the slightest. And I this mean, was they a, had appalling. makeup in 64, right? They, I mean, they had hired professionals. They had right. to have. Unless they hired children to do it, and even then. Well. I've seen... I don't know. Well, were there laws against that back in the 60s? Oh, yeah. By the 60s, child labor had been outlawed. Okay, okay. I think. I wasn't there. I wasn't born until... There are a lot of things outlawed uh, in Hollywood 30 years later. So. Yeah. Yeah. 30 years later, I was born to enjoy this film. So, the costuming's awful. Things look like cardboard painted over. The sets... I'll give give them this. The spaceship was spaceship-ish. It was better than some things I've yes. seen. The radar box was pretty bad. Yes. Okay. Radar box was awful. The state-of-the-art toy conveyor belt thing, that was kind of cool. The North Pole looked good. North Pole was good. I'll give them that. But it... I... The bear? Okay. See, we Torg? Did... Okay. So I wasn't going to go there. I was trying to be positive, man. I was trying to be positive. No, it looked like a frozen tundra, right? Yeah. That's looked... good. I, I was enveloped mm-hmm. in the environment... Until I saw a man in a furry costume. Yes. Come and roar at children. Yep. Yeah. And scratch at them feebly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I remember the scene you're right. talking about. It's right. pretty rough. Pretty rough. So that bear was bad. Torg was literally a cardboard box with that like coolant. Um, you know the tube on the back of your dryer that goes from the dryer to the the um, vent to the outside that lets out the hot air. Yeah. Well, that was literally his arms and legs. Let's talk. This is so mm-hmm. you take. Old school, like first five doctors type Doctor Who special effects. Sure. And you set and you tell an elementary student to try and reproduce this. Yeah. That's about what you get in this film yeah. when it comes to robots. If you think about it, it was a really well done homemade science fiction feature. See, okay. So if the title of this movie said homemade film, I would applaud it. Yep. That's fire. That the is amazing. The problem is, it was made by a studio. It was made by a real studio. With $200,000 to spend. I could do so much with $200,000. Well, so here's the funny part. Um, they shot this. Guess how long it took them to shoot this movie? I, we didn't even, I have no idea. Yes. Um, well, you've seen the right. costume okay, and the Okay, acting, okay, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me. Give me an approximate idea. I'd say hours rolling. They probably spent like 150 hours. Which is not that much. Give me like like days, months, week, oh, years, days, that days. kind of okay. thing. Yeah. I'd say they shot it within like three weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. It was shot in two weeks. Let me they, read it here. Well, at least they're efficient. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the film idea of producer Paul Jacobson who worked in video production and wanted to move into features. 
He hired writer Glenn uh, Glenville Merrith to develop the idea and Nicholas Webster to direct and made the film through his own J-Lore Productions. Jacobson called the film, get this, a Yuletide science fiction fantasy. See, in essence, that sounds amazing. I'm all for yeah. that. I'm and he said he made it because of a perceived gap in the market. Except for the Disneys, there's very little film in houses that children recognize as their own. It was made for children. It was made for the kids, I can bro. forgive that. But I don't think even as an adult with children in 1964, I'd want to watch this. It was filmed in two weeks in an, in an abandoned airplane hangar. It was in the, Long Island. The entire thing was filmed in a hangar. Yep, an airplane hangar oh, in Long Island. That makes New York. sense because they filmed the plane takeoffs at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm, they, sure. So they said, "Listen, we got to film some plane takeoffs. Let's go to the hangar." Then they saw this hangar and they're like, "Let's just do the rest right here. Can we use this?" Sure. And then that was that was the film. That was the entire film. Sure. In one hangar. Yep. They did it all in one hangar. One hangar. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, so like, look, great quality for a homemade film. Yeah. Not for a $200,000 movie. Okay, so the elves look like dwarves. Like, I expected them to sing about their lost gold any minute now. Yeah, I think I think the movie Elf had better elves. Yes, Elf had better elves. Definitely. Absolutely had better elves. Um, the Martians looked awful. The helmets were awful. The Guys, watch this. It's for free on Amazon Prime. It's public domain right There's now. There's like 10 of them on Amazon yep. Prime. You can find them. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. It... It probably did some good things for 1964, but time has not been kind. In the days of Avengers Endgame, Infinity War kind of <laughs> giant, fair. giant productions, it's not even fair. It's, it's like a school project from some high schooler who was really ambitious about film. Okay. What do you know? A large action movie that came out in the 60s? Do no. You know, do you know? I'm any? sure there was a James Bond in the 60s. Okay. Let, yeah. me look up, let me look up James yeah. Bond in the 60s. But okay, okay. while I'm doing that, why don't you tell us some other thoughts about the film? Okay, let me look. I took some notes here because there's okay. no way my brain can contain No, because this. you immediately want to forget every single thing that you Agreed. Uh, saw. So just a couple little notes of some details about the movie. So mainly about the Martians themselves. Some Martian culture that they introduce us to. Mm -hmm. They have a thing called a tickle ray. A tickle ray. A tick, it is a large stick. I'd call it about four feet long. And it just emits a beam... That makes a person ticklish all over. Sounds like something we need in today's day and age. I'll give them that. Oh, I would agree. It sounds like something they need. Another thing. Okay, here's the thing. They got the innovation with the Martians pretty right. Because they lay their kids down on a table to go to bed. They say, go to sleep. And they hit a sleep ray. And they're sleep out. Sleep ray. Can you imagine when you have kids, if you could just say, go to sleep, hit a button, and they're out? Yeah. What, what's the food like on Mars, Carter? Okay. So here's where the innovation lost me. No, no, I think this is innovative. It, uh, it, futuristically, I don't think we're going to be eating massive meals anymore. I think food's just going to be a little pill. I can't imagine. That sounds like torture. The Martians eat all, every single one of their foods are just single pills. Yep. They have, and the well, pills they, are jelly beans. Okay, don't talk meta right now. The, I'm not talking meta. <laughs> I'm saying that in production they said, we need a food pill. What can we eat? And someone jelly said, beans. you got different color jelly beans. <laughs> Oh my gosh, they didn't even try and hide it. They really didn't. Nope. They just had cups of jelly beans that yep. they would eat. It's great. That sounds like torture. Uh, what else did you think about the film? I think it had a decent commentary on society as a whole. With okay. the children being like adults in children's bodies, basically. Yes. Because they have no passion, they have no fun. And they've been watching the Earth programming on the TV. They've been watching Earth programming and they have information just fed... To them through like tubes yeah. i think and we all know that you know 
2019, we basically just have information tubes running into our bodies. More or less, I'd say yes. I think it's a commentary about lost childhood. Yeah. Like, that. overall, that's what motivates the Martians to try to get the toys for the children. So, like, that's, you know, that, that's a good message, maybe. I'd call that admirable. That's, yeah. that's decent. Yeah. I can see that in a regular film. But, overall, it just... The execution is what matters. I don't know. It is. It really... Because it sounds great on paper. What we read earlier about, you know, being a, a, a Yuletide science fiction fantasy. That's baller. That's great. I'm into that. But I am not into this film. Uh, no <laughs> matter which way you slice it. I watched it once, and even that was difficult. Uh, call that foreshadowing, if you will, to our grading section. Uh, but this was not a good film. Uh, there are some fun things about it, though. So... Let me bring up some other things. So we talked about it. It was filmed in an old airplane hangar in yes. Long Beach. Yes. Um, here's something else that's interesting. In an interview in 66, uh, Levine, the guy who uh, was uh, helping film this, okay, said that he had made 15 quote-unquote family-type pictures in 18 months. Well, okay, Jeremiah, how possible do you think it is to make eight? Was it 18 features? 18 films. To make 18 films. In, in less than a year and a half. In less than a year and a half. How possible do you think it is to make those actually watchable in quality? I think you could probably make one very good film with the budget and time you spend on 15 crappy films. Yeah. Just make one film. Just make one money. good film. Well, it's like, it's like when Kanye said, I'm going to release an album every week for the next year. He released one EP and said, I can't do it. Right. And Kanye is an amazing artist. Oh, yeah. And you have some no-name like this. What, put out 15, 18 films in 15 months? I think what it I was... I don't think it works. It was 15 films in 18 months. I think what it was okay. is he said, basically, I just want to throw something at the wall and see what sticks. Because he says, yeah. I don't want anybody to know because families don't go to see them. They just talk about them. But I make them anyway because I have the protection of the television. Money in the bank, the television. End quote. I have no idea what that means. I don't know. Maybe he was high. I have no idea what he's trying to say there. And the fact that he made 15 but, films in 18 yeah. months also makes me think he's a little crazy. Let me read it again. Maybe it'll be less confusing. Uh, he had made 15 family-type pictures in 18 months. Mm -hmm. Quote, but don't let it get around. I don't want anybody to know because families don't go to see them. They just talk about them. But I make them anyway because I have the protection of the television. Money in the bank, the television. So, are they releasing straight to TV? Are they just like... Did they do that? Because there's no straight to DVD movie no. back in the 60s. No. I, don't I don't understand it, where his logic's coming from. I don't think it went straight to DVD or, think, or TV at all. Now that I can understand the mind of the creator, I think I can understand the project itself a little better now. Maybe. So, this is interesting as well. So, way back in the day, before we have Mystery Science Theater... Uh, 3000 or the B-Movie Podcast or Rift Tracks Live, mm. there was something called Cinematic Titanic. It was a little theater trying, it was going to close its doors. It tried to lure people in with ticket prices to see really bad films. Okay? I didn't even know this was a thing. That's yep. genius. This was a long time ago, but one little theater would put on really bad movies, and this was one of them, and they would <laughs> make fun of it, Okay, like an olden day uh, Rift Tracks. That's incredible. So Cinematic Titanic... Rift Tracks Live and Mystery Science Theater 3000 have all lampooned this film, and it is the only film in existence to be riffed by all three entities to date. That is admirable. Yep. I have to say, that is an incredible achievement. Yeah. It has caught the attention <laughs> of 
the the best of the the worst or the the best of the best of the worst films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine creating something and it being so horrendously bad that everybody all three major names that cover really really bad like the worst of the worst stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll say we should do this. Right. Can you imagine creating that? No. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine potentially creating fourteen other of these? Oh, do you have names of any of the other ones? <laughs> no, like, have just, they made it onto any other list? I just picked or? up this quote, so it's actually really hard to find information about this um, because it's so old, and I guess they didn't keep the kind of records they did today. So, like, I don't even know what the total budget was. I just know that it was around two hundred thousand in nineteen sixty-four. No, I, I can like, see that. It. Yeah. But the one saving grace, Carter, if you had to pick one saving grace of this entire movie, what would it be? Santa Claus's laugh. Santa Claus's laugh. That okay. is absolutely contagious. We didn't even talk about the fact that he smokes a pipe. I think Santa Claus as a whole, his character. Uh huh. I I can get into it. Okay. He's probably the best part. Let me ask you something, Carter. Just as a person, person to person. Yeah. No podcast, no recording. Yeah. Do you know someone who is a large fellow with a big beard who is rather jolly and likes to laugh and may or may not smoke a pipe occasionally? Who could probably look really good in red <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, travel to Mars see, if you wanted to. See, you had me until looks good in red. Okay. What, who, who, are you, <laughs> who are you thinking of? I think, uh, I think my main man, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, that's me. Might be a little, yeah, that's you. I oh. think he might be a little bit of a so I might of be a muse for Santa Claus I'm, here. Maybe, or maybe the spirit of this man was somehow given to me. Maybe that's why we get along so well. Maybe that's why I like like Santa Claus so much in this movie. It's possible because you're like a Martian in some ways, right? Would you Would you like to tell me why? Because we, <laughs> did, we did not discuss this beforehand. Yeah, no, no. You're like a Martian. See, you uh, travel around. Okay. You. Um, <laughs> like to dress in green unitards okay so we didn't have to put that on the podcast i you think don't, you only gotta tell people that okay carter you're not a martian but maybe i'm like santa <laughs> claus but i'd say the one saving grace <laughs> is not santa although santa's laugh is great remember when he laughed for 41, 41 seconds 41 seconds we timed that we timed that specifically of screen time of actual screen time a continuous laugh with no prompting. Yeah. There was no joke. And we're not even we're not even saying like we went one, two, three, four, five, six. No. These were Mississippis. These were these were some extended Mississippis. Forty one Mississippis. I would push this upwards of a minute if I used an actual timer, because you had some slow Mississippi yeah. in there. Yeah. I would say close between fifty and sixty seconds of laughing for no reason. No prompting whatsoever. We watched that two or three times. Yep. That might have been one of the best scenes in the whole film. We watched it, we laughed, then we went back and said, How long does this go on for? And then I said, Let's count. And we arrived at <laughs> forty one Mississippi. Forty one slow Mississippis. So I think the saving grace of this film is the fact that this is the first cinematic silver screen appearance of the one and mm. only Mrs. Claus. Yes. So the Mrs. Claus character had been around for a while. Uh, a guy named James Reese in 1849 wrote a story called A Christmas Legend, and it features the earliest known reference to St. Nick's wife, Mrs. Claus, who would go on to become a household name mm. after the poem Good Santa on a Sleigh Ride came along in 1889. But despite the newfound publicity, her husband had beat her to the silver screen by more than six decades. 
60 years. See, when you say her husband beat her, you had me thrown for a loop no, for like two no, seconds. No, no. You he, really haven't gone. He arrived on the silver, silver screen. screen. Uh, Santa arrived. is a loving husband. Okay. And old Chris Kringle has been starring in films and shorts since the late 1890s. Whereas the missus would not make her cinematic debut until Doris Rich played her in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. You know what? Doris, you have my heart. Doris, what yeah. If the you're, first portrayal of Mrs. Claus on the silver screen, go off. Doris, you're probably not still alive, but if you're mm. the family of Doris Rich and you're somehow listening to this podcast right now, call us up. Yeah. Write into the Podcast at gmail.com. We want to take you out to dinner. Yeah. And honor your grandmother, mother, great-grandmother's spirit for mm. being Mrs. Claus. Because we all need a Mrs. Claus. They're like mom and dad to all the good little boys and girls of the world. That's true. And she killed it. Her five minutes of screen time. Oh, it was great. Killed it. Yeah. She was good. She played she... a doting housewife mm. that was kind of, um, the 60s were a different time. They were a little, yeah. a little different. At one point, uh, she got hit with the freeze ray. Yeah. See, that's when her screen time ended. Yeah. But that's when Santa also said, oh, my dear, I think this is the most quiet you've ever been since I married you. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> And I felt like that was kind of... Um, a little 60s of them. Yeah. You that, can't hold it, it against them. It really didn't feel great. And I'm like, eh, eh, I don't know if I like this. But yeah. but hey, I tell you, you know, for all of its flaws, Mrs. Claus being the first on the silver screen ever uh, in, in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, I think that redeems it. You know, it's not something that I'm going to hold near and dear to my heart for eternity, but I think that redeems it. Carter, do you have any other thoughts about the film? I mean, we could go on and on about this, about the costuming, um, the story, the set design. Just watch it for yourself, okay? Uh, watch it with some good friends. Watch it if you've got the Christmas spirits flowing. Watch it on Christmas Eve. Understand uh, that, you know, this might not be a tradition for your family, but you may like the fact that you've been one of the few to yeah. have seen this film. I'd say... Take uh, take a Christmas story. Take uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Mm -hmm. Set them aside. Yeah. Set them aside for the Christmas holiday. This Check Christmas. out Santa Claus Conquers Mars. San Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. The Martians. And apparently he conquers, because I, I want to end with this. We talked about conquering. There was no conquering no, involved. There was, um, there was no use of force by Santa Claus in the no. slightest. Well, when the toys attacked Fromar, okay, Frogmar... Okay. He stopped, I don't think he conquered them. He stopped a small uprising of two men. Yes. He stopped a, if anything, a bloody coup, a mutiny. If, if anything, Santa Claus saved the Martians. Yeah. But I will say there was violence in the film because we saw some fight scenes that were horribly edited. I think fight scenes would be giving it a little too much justice. I'd call it a poorly written dance scene. Uh, fake punches by an eight and a ten year old. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think I made home videos when I was about 10 years old yeah. on my family camera that uh, Look, held up better than this. I'm pretty sure that, like, if you ever grew up with wrestling, we've been choke slammed onto the couch, right? Yeah. We could we could perform better than these people, back, throwing, throwing haymakers. Back in second grade, my friends and I would play WWE, and I think we were more of a convincing performance, both emotionally and physically. I think we put on a better performance than... The fight scenes in this yeah. film between two grown men. Because it had heart. It That's had why. heart. I meant it. Yeah. I meant that choke slam on the couch. You also weren't in a green leotard. Well, maybe one time. Possibly. All right. So uh, that's my final thought. What's your final thought? Any final thought? I just want to give one last shout out to a scene that we didn't recently cover. When uh, Billy, the small child, opened up the uh, so-called radar box. Yes. The toy box. And he said, oh, so 
there's some wires here. And he just started ripping at him. Yep. He said, I don't know what this do this does. The ship he is in is in flight in the middle of space, and he starts ripping at some, well, at some he, wires. Well, he knows that it's clearly got something to do with the radar, because it's labeled in big, bold letters, mm-hmm. Radar Box. Radar Box. The second reason I want to give this a shout-out, it played no consequence in the rest of the film. They got to Mars anyway. I thought they said something along the lines of, they know that we're arriving on Mars, and they're like, how? And they said, because the radars are off. It... it I know that the astronauts saw them because they said the astronauts want a piece of those Martians and they were going to send a space force. Space force. Space force. Uh, you hear that? We were promised by President Donald Trump to have a space oh, force. You're right. Do you think... I think it's probably to save Santa. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's all becoming so clear to me right now. So I think maybe our president has seen this film. Who knows? Is this Donald Trump's favorite film? It might be. It, this might be a Trump household uh, tradition. I'll keep that. I'll keep that in mind. Maybe that's very intriguing. Ivanka sounds like a Martian name, right? <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to. Edit no, this it out. completely does. <laughs> Ivanka. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so. It's not mean. in bad taste. I just it, no. That was so funny. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. Um, we need to grade this, and it's probably going to come as no shock to anybody, but here's the grading system. A B plus, a B, or a B minus. So a B plus means this is so bad it's good, and I will actively watch it and rewatch it for the rest of my life. A B means, eh, I watched it, I don't regret watching it, but I'm probably not going to watch it again. And a B minus is, this thing is so bad, I could barely get through it. I wanted to gouge my eyes out with a dull spoon. Uh, and so I am going to give this film a whopping BM, a B minus, because it is a stinky pile of poo-poo. Bro, I'm right there with you. Uh, I could not, I couldn't yeah. rewatch this for the jokes. Carter, how many times did we pause it? I think we paused it at least like 11 times. At least 11 times. Sometimes for bathroom breaks, sometimes to just pause it sit down yeah and just have an think, existential crisis just kind of think about everything that just happened and like recenter myself before yeah. entering the world again yeah this was this was terrible yeah so b minus look i'm not going to recommend you watch it although i have already recommended you watch it it might be <laughs> worth watching after hearing this episode or before hearing this episode but you are not going to feel like you've missed out on something if you don't see this film uh, we appreciate you listening to this uh, episode, but you're you're not going to get to your deathbed and go, I wish I would have watched Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. That's not going to happen Mm-mm. by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-mm. So B minus from me, B minus from Carter. Um, you know, if you think it's not a B minus, I would love to hear your reasoning why right into the show at the Podcast at gmail.com. I will need an essay on why yes. you don't think this is a b minus with multiple citations please i I need something so this brings us to the last part of the podcast where we ask is this better or worse than the b movie now before we just say no okay before we say it's not as good as the b movie i want to present some facts for you all right so carter um the budget for uh the b movie was 150 million dollars okay uh the budget for or the box office for the b movie was $287.6 million, almost two times what the budget was. And now the B-movie is the perfect B-movie because it has a perfect 50% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 
It also has a 53% audience rating uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's the B-movie. Now let's talk Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. So we've said this multiple times. The budget was $200,000. Now to put that in 2007 terms, when the B-movie was made, it was 2007, this would be about $1.3 million. To give you a frame of reference, Mary Poppins also came out in 1964, and it had a budget of $6 million. Okay, in 1964 money, which would be gobs and gobs and gobs of money today. Isn't that like four times? I'm like sure, yeah, like 24 million at least. So this, you know, this $200,000 film would have been about $1.3 million in 2007, and you could make a decent film for $1.3 million, I think, though this was maybe not one of them. I think I would have focused a little more on costume design, maybe set design, and a little less on... Um, on actors, maybe? I don't, on, I don't know where the focus went. I don't know. Editing? Is it possible it was editing? I Okay, now that I think about it, I didn't have a lot of beef with the editing. Yeah. Like, the... Um, it was well done. The transitions from scene to scene were not and, super choppy. The audio editing was fine. Yeah. I could make everything out. Well, the only thing that stood out as being, like, way too long or ridiculous was that 41-second laugh. Just the laugh. But everything else, it played out like a story. Like, it kept moving. Yeah. So, the pacing has something to be desired. Maybe a little bit. I and near the, the I think okay. the first half yeah, hour. Yeah, the beginning was a little cuz we didn't but, meet Santa Claus But after that, hour. we have some major action. It yeah. keeps you in. But that being said, you know, so it has $200,000 budget or a 1.3 million. And so here's the question about the box office. What did Santa Claus Conquers the Martians bring in in 1964/1965? So I searched for a good long while, and I could not find a number, because I don't think they kept numbers like this back then. Or, this was such a small film uh, studio that they didn't really keep, uh, keep the kind of records that we keep today. But I did find this quote from the New York Times. In February 1965, the New York Times said on its release that Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, quote unquote, reaped a box office bonanza in a regular multi-theater booking. Do you know what that means? No. Did I just I'm starting to feel like people back in the 60s just didn't speak English. That's it second quote in a row. Reaped, I have no idea. Reaped a box office bonanza in a regular multi-theater booking. Now here was my thought. Does this mean that it was only booked in theaters around New York? Or was it booked in theaters around the country? I don't know what multi-theater booking means. Multi-theater so booking it means it's in multiple theaters. Well, yeah. Like how, like Tommy Wiseau, he he did The Room, which we will do an episode on The Room later. Um, but he, he made his own film. He funded his own film. And he paid to have it put in theaters all across the country. But I don't know. I don't know what a multi-theater booking is. A box office bonanza sounds like it was just crazy. Like it, it pulled great. in money. Yeah. But like the fact that I can't find bread. any sort of number on the box office tells me that it probably didn't make its money back or if it did it only made like broke even and then that'd be a miracle i think that'd be a miracle i kind of hope they broke even i think it comes in below the box office of the b movie even even if we give it the benefit of the doubt and finally the tomato meter uh the critics review is 23 percent and the audience score is 28 percent personally what would you give it as an audience score as an audience score, I'd maybe give it a 30. I mean, maybe. thing is, I've seen... Okay. So I've seen some bad films that actually keep me in, and they keep me laughing. Mm-hmm. I can give a god-awful film like a 45-50%. Yeah. Because they kept me in. 
This one it had me it had me snoozing yeah. for a good portion. I'd give it like a fifteen percent. I wrote this down earlier. I enjoy sneezing more than I enjoyed this film. I remember when you said that. Yep, because I sneezed and it felt so good. <laughs> and I said, "Wow, I like sneezing more than I like this." So overall, Carter, is this better or worse than the B movie? Considering the B movies very topical and appropriate commentary on modern day capitalism and mm. society as a whole and it's fire animation it is to be it's fair great. that is ageless animation doesn't get old the voice acting was crazy yeah it was amazing and i think the b movie has every type of film genre in it compacted into yeah. one it's yeah it's pretty good i have to say this is significantly lower in standards than oh yeah the b movie. it's it's it is, worse it does not is. even uphold to it if at all. you it, like okay let's say you have a societal message like save the bees was arguably the b movie's message <laughs> Societal message might be what? Technology is ruining children? Maybe. It's nothing new. And back in the 60s, it yeah. was, I don't even think technology had the capability to ruin children. I don't know. What did they have? TV? Radio? Bare, barely. Little Annie Oakley? Can you, can you imagine if uh, the Martians from that movie saw the kids now? Oh, no. They'd be losing their mind. I think it was crazy. Um, yeah, I, it's just worse. It just is what it is. I don't want to spend any more time on this, so... It's not really fair to compare the two at this point. No. I mean, there's nothing more to say, because I think the B-movie... Like, you can't watch the B-movie at Christmas. I'll say that. It's not a holiday film, but I would rather watch the B-movie than Santa Claus Conquers the Martian. I'd rather be sneezing than watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martian. End of story. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. If you watch Santa Claus Conquers the Martian and you want to write to us about it, you can do so in multiple ways. Uh, you can write into the, the podcast email, thebmoviepodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter B. You can uh, go to our Facebook page, The B Movie Podcast. Again, the letter B. You can uh, Instagram us at The B Movie Podcast on uh, Instagram, or you can tweet at us at The B Movie Pod. Again, these are all the letter B. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback for the show. Uh, I apologize if we've had some audio problems. We've been working on getting this sorted out. Mm -hmm. I'm working on getting uh, the background noise sorted out. We're just starting, but we're having a great time with it. So if you have suggestions or critiques that you'd like us to hear, we'd love to hear them. And again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, give us a like, give us a listen, give us a review. It helps other people find the podcast. Um, and subscribe for future content. So... That's all I have for this week. Carter, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I yeah. appreciate your presence. Thanks for having me, man. a great man. job. Thank you for working through this awful, awful film. Is there any uh, shout-out or something you'd like to plug uh, before we go? Yeah, I just want to shout-out. I got a little band. Uh, we've been putting out music the past like year or two called All Caps Trey. That's T-R-E-Y in all capital letters. We're on Spotify and Apple Music. We put out some indie pop hits. I uh, just want to give them a little shout-out. Yeah, I, I would say vaguely reminiscent of the 1975. I appreciate that. I would say That's, that. Appreciate yeah. that a lot. No, it's a good band. Uh, check them out. They're kind of a, a Midwestern kind of thing, but they're they're growing, and uh, I, I hope to see some good things out of them. So thanks, man. Thank you for listening, uh, and tune in next time for when we watch the incredibly forgettable 2011 film New Year's Eve. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and thanks. Bye bye. <laughs> Buzz, 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 buzz